You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Politi from NJ Advance Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Joined as always, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. Guys, you know, I was thinking about this. Rutgers won its third game beating Maryland. And when you look at each one of these wins, it feels like each one of them had, you know, their own separate characterization, the way you would look back on them. And I think they beat Michigan State, and that was really a sign that this program is better than you think right? Uh, and then they beat Purdue and you get the sense, all right, well, this program is not a pushover anymore, right? You can win on the road in the style they won. I really felt like beating Maryland was the culture win. The things they overcame in that game, Maryland's dirty play, and we will talk about that and talk about Greg Chiano's hilarious response to our question about it in a minute. Being down in that game, it just felt like this was proof that this team, especially all it went through over the week as well, you know, that this team really has turned the corner culture-wise. Cratch, would you agree with that? Definitely. I That's just a win where, like, as I was doing the film review, I almost was like, do I just scrap it this week? Because who really cares at the end of the day what the film was? or what happened X's and O's wise. They won the game. That was just a war of attrition. Bring your own guts type of game where the team that wanted it more was going to win. And that was all that really, all the only thing that really mattered on Saturday was the final score. You know, it's just one of those games where obviously with COVID and everything, you know, we're not on the road. I really wish I was in that stadium on Saturday just because it's what a, what a tremendous effort. For them. And, and I think about all the things that kind of happen, you know, art comes up with a big day, you know, and, after, you know, kind of his redemption after his kind of crazy career here. Ambrosia, when he misses that field goal in the first half, Greg Schiano is in position for a hell of a second guess, potentially down the stretch. Uh, He comes up big with two big field goals. The way they so effortlessly and calmly ran on the field, like, that's very hard to do. Field goal team onto the field as the clock is winding, get the snap off. Isaiah, I go back to that fourth and two that became fourth and seven with Isaiah Pacheco turning the shoulders. Everyone forgets about that. That could have been a disaster asterisk oh, yeah. series Absolutely. of events for Rutgers. So just so many things that happen in that game. Obviously, the stuff off the field, you know, the tragedies they, that – players dealt with in their families hold all together to win that game where they trailed three times in the second half uh just quite yeah, remarkable. And, not, and not just you know you mentioned that the, the players bailed out the coaches and I, I do believe that not just offensively on that that fourth and seven decision and call uh which is you know, throwing fire to the the sticks it's just hard, hard to understand but also the, the third and 19 blitz when you know you're in a situation where okay you, you get them off the field and it's a you know might be a different game instead you know uh, the blitz allowed uh, maryland to step up and, and throw the touchdown pass what stuck out for you sorry 
yards. Was there one thing you take, took away from that from that game overall? Yeah, I mean, first off, I'm I'm shocked. Crash strikes a film review. I never even heard of this. I That's mean, interesting. It, yeah. yeah, is that is that a new thing on it? I love this. He, he actually said he's gonna he's gonna cancel it this week. I mean, <laughs> I, the whole thing was a love letter to Art Zakowski. He should have just lick. He should have put it in an, a, a pink envelope. You know, sealed it with the Valentine's uh, with, Day coming up. Val- exactly, it's the wrong holiday that we had here. But yeah. Uh, Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, what I what came came to mind and Cratch t- touched on it was just how calm they were getting onto the field with with Valentino Ambrosio, still one of the best stories, you know, in you know in the Big sure. Ten this year. You know, coming from the you know soccer field, that story, you know, never gets old. But just how calm, you know. And I just thought back to you know we clearly haven't uh, seen a uh, practice this season, but I just remember back in the day how many times on a Thursday, folks, you know, Thursday would be like their final like walkthrough type type practice and they would use the majority of it on special teams and they were painstakingly long while we're all standing around as beat reporters waiting to, to talk to Greg Schiano and, and maybe a couple of players and they would spend about an hour and a half on, on that type of situation running on the field. It's just re- remarkable just how you know, Graciana talked about it, that they they work on those types of situations and how calm it was. We're talking about, you know, just the, the entire setup, you know, great uh, snap uh, by Billy Taylor, great hold, and, and you know, just a confident kick. Uh, that's the one thing that really uh, sticks out with me. I know what stuck out for, for the fans, and it was clearly the dirty tackle, the dirty play on Noah Vedral, you know, the alligator roll that that, that – really twisted, the, got the kid's ankle hurt. We asked Greg Shannon about it today, and i got to say this about them. The man is a world-class pivoter, and if you don't know what that means, like, it took me about 10 years of doing radio interviews to figure this out. Like, when someone asks you a question that you don't want to answer it, it's very, like, it's very simple. Someone says, Steve, uh, tell me about your thoughts on the Rutgers secondary this week. You go, well, certainly I think it's going to be a big week for the Rutgers secondary, but for me, the Rutgers pass rush is really what's important. You, know, you just pivot. <laughs> you just pivot to the next thing. So Sarge asked the question about as good as you can ask a question today about this did you think it was a dirty play because everyone's talking about it of course do you you think it was a dirty play do you think the big 10 should investigate and sarge his answer oh you went right to chop chop (laughs) you know that was the complete pivot it would you know Uh, (laughs) it would be like i want to talk about like it would be like my team it would be like asking Trump about anything, just anything, and he would, uh, you know, talk about the election, a fraud election. You know, it just was classic Graciano. He was going to pivot. He probably knew the question was going to be asked. And again, you know, the Big Ten Network, which generally, you know, when they're covering these games, they, they stay clear from controversy. Yeah. You know, James Laurinaitis made a big deal out of it. They circled it on, on, on the replay. So, of course. You know, it, it, yeah, we, 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 I think we might have asked him after the game, but a couple of days later, after he watched the film, knowing that, you know, uh, Noah Vedral, if anything else, is going to be a game time decision still limping around. I mean, it's a big deal. The, the, the answer to me, Cratch, was that he is pissed. I think that that's the clear inference you can make. Oh, definitely. That was definitely the thing where he, he didn't answer the question, but he answered the <laughs> question with the way he kind of looked and the little, like, Shiano kind of smirk and the pivot and everything. No, I mean, like, I, I would imagine he's pissed too. I mean, when I saw it live at first and everyone was kind of chiming on social media, I thought, you know, hey, you know, a lot of times something might look kind of dirty in football, but it, it was innocuous. It was an accident. But then when I looked at it a couple more times, I was like, that looked really yeah, bad. You know, it wasn't so much the tackle, but it was the, the extra wrench of the ankle down at the pile. And I think that it also doesn't help the, the players cause that Maryland was like a shambles in terms of discipline on Saturday. They are just, they're, they're not well coached. I think what we talked about in the podcast uh, this past uh, last time Rutgers had a very clear coaching advantage in this game uh, 
Maryland, I think, had, I forget the exact number, but they were well over 100 yards in penalties, double-digit penalties. So, no, I would be mad if I were him, too. I mean, I think now I, I, it was kind of tough to read whether there was an actual kind of hope that Bedrill could play by Friday or if this was just gamesmanship, keep the the, the opponent guessing, and it's going to be art all the way. Vedro well, took a couple of really big hits, you know, in that game as well. He and did. To Crouch's point, I mean, there were like targeting things where, where you know, they went up high, blindside hit, like just, you know, there, that that wasn't, you know, I mean, there were a couple plays where, where I'm sure if they sent the tape to the Big Ten that you'd have to have some questions, and and you know, it just was, it was my bottle. You know, one thing I will say, um, a couple weeks ago, shout out our good buddy Carlin. He does the podcast with Greg each week. Greg was talking about when he was a younger coach. You know, after the game on Saturday, he'd get in the office and he'd chop up like 18 different plays and send them to the Big East and demand to know why they weren't called that way. He says as he's gotten older, he doesn't even really bother with, with the officiating questions anymore and cutting up the tapes to send to the conference. Now, I'm sure they I'm sure they brought the Big Ten's attention to this. That's but I also big, wonder that's not an officiating thing. That's not an officiating. That's you know, Oh, you're right. Discipline. But I mean it, but I, I, I'm sure it's discipline. But I almost wonder if that's part of Greg, maybe the fact that he didn't want to really entertain it is because he realizes there's only I mean, it's Monday at one forty three sure. as we're taping this. If the Big Ten hasn't reprimanded the kid and suspended him already, yeah. it's not gonna happen, probably. Uh, yeah. And I and I do. I understand why he's doing the game and ship, ship, ship thing, uh, Sarge. But I, I would be very surprised if Noah Vedro plays. I get it. This is a you know this is his former team in Nebraska coming to town. Um, you know, but a short turnaround uh, when you're you're you coming off the field on crutches. I think not only are we getting Art Sikowski, but I think it's it's the best case scenario, and not just because. Art played really well in that game. But going back to what we've discussed about this, this season overall, it, it's an evaluation season. And if you get a full game right now to, to see what he does against, you know, and, and again, another good Big Ten team, I think it'll help going forward when this team's, you know, when these coaches are looking at this quarterback battle, assuming everyone's back next year uh, as to which guy should play. Cratch, I know you agree with that because you, you, really, you really made the point today that the, the kid is better than the quarterback we saw not only last year but early this season. All right, I don't think my eyes are deceiving me. When I watched the game live and when I rewatched it in the film review, Art looked like – a Big Ten starting quarterback. And when Art is on the field, we saw a little bit of Purdue. We saw a lot more of it in Maryland. The offense moves faster, and they are able to get the ball down the field, which is something they cannot do with Noah Vedrills in there. And I go back to, we've seen at Georgia this year, we've seen at other schools, there are tons of times in the college football season where a quarterback will be okay, play well, but will get benched because the other guy provides more to that team, makes them a better offense. I think we may have reached that point. Sergeant, are, are you still on team Noah with me? Because I, I am, and I will say this, and I, I answered a bunch of texts on Are You Insider, and, and most of them were about art. And it was the same thing I would say. Like, I watched Noah Vedrill throw for 40 yards against Michigan and saw him throw some long passes to Bo Melton in these games. I mean, yeah. it's not like he hasn't stretched the field at times. Certainly, since he's been banged up the last couple of weeks, he has not looked like the same quarterback. Where do you stand now, Sarge? I'm a big perspective guy, and – you know, Rutgers last four years, they've ranked a 122nd nationally or worse over the last four years. Noah Vedrill is the most productive quarterback they've had since 2015. Um, and 
you know, he's he's really played a big in big moments. I mean, you know, you talk about the Michigan game, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the guy's a gamer. Um, I do think the last two weeks that, that, that he has not looked like the, the same quarterback. I think there was probably, you know, that lingering arm injury that, that, that cost him the Purdue game. I don't know if he's 100% from that. Um, I think it, you know, all, all being said, I, I think Sikowski has to start. Um, I give uh, Vedral a lot of credit. I do think that you give him the offseason and, uh, you know, that I, I think that he could be the uh, the starting quarterback in 2021. But right now for this week, I think the, the, the guy who gives him the best chance to win is Art, Art Sikowski. All right. The other question that Greg Schiano uh, didn't want to answer today that we asked him was about about bowls. And I, I was surprised, and Crash pointed that out, that one uh, of the bowl projections had Rutgers in the Phoenix Bowl against West Virginia the day after Christmas. Uh, I mean, guaranteed rate bowl. <laughs> is that what it is? The guaranteed, guaranteed rate, rate bowl? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough trip, tough turnaround, tough holiday week. Great. I mean, for us, talk about the perfect matchup given Greg Shannon and Rutgers' history no. against the Mountaineers. No? You're shaking your finger. I mean, wide. it's the second best potential matchup if they're going to that ball which is big 12 big 10 versus big 12 you guys know what the number one matchup would be i'm drawing who who am i coming with what Longhorns? No. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to a bowl game, are they? Really? Yeah, they're seven. They're going to go to the top Texas twenty-five. Go to the, Texas is going to go to the guarantee rate bowl, though. Come I on. mean, I don't think. Oh, well, I mean, I don't think they will. Can you imagine? They, oh. Can you imagine oh. that press conference oh. if we get the defensive coordinator that week? Oh, oh boy! The three of us sitting there. He's going to turn on the Zoom and just see our three faces. Oh, could you? Oh, jeez. Could you talk about uncomfortable? Oh my lord! Let's sign for that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. So, Craig, I didn't even consider that Texas was a possibility, but now I you say it, I let's guarantee Seriously. that for the guarantee rate bowl. Oh. Uh, oh. Do you think so? Do you think, Sarge, that they would take a bowl game? I mean, this the popular thing to do now is say no thanks, no thanks to bowls. Would Rutgers do it? They're taking a bowl game. I think. You think so? <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. I mean, you know, they haven't been to one since 2014. Big for recruiting. You know, if, if just one more week, you know, I mean, I, I think it, it, it would be huge for the program just from a uh, going to the offseason and, and being able to, to, to take that uh, that fact that Rutgers ha- hasn't been to a bowl game. Uh, one of only, you know, I, I, it's the third longest uh, streak among Power 5 conference schools, uh, third longest drought. I think they would like that to end, to be honest with you. So. You know, it's one more week. I, I think I, I think Gresciano wants to play. Listen to him today. I, I you know, and it, you know, granted, you know, let's see how they come out against Nebraska. But I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think right now, I think he wants to play. They got to beat Nebraska for that well, to happen. I, 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 was, I will, I will take up for the ball. I will take up for Texas in that. Like I one one year, I wrote like Rutgers should go to the Aloha Bowl just for my own selfish reasons of wanting to go to Hawaii. But I will I'd take up for Nebraska. Go ahead, Gretz. Sorry. No, the two things I say. One, I mean, it's one. It's great to want to go to a bowl game, but we saw how beat up this team was. It's another week. Yeah, it's only a week, but you know, it's over Christmas, so no one gets yeah. to go home to be with their families. Can I mean, it's great to have a couple extra practices, but like, can the guys stand up at practice, do anything? Right. But more than that, if Rutgers has to make a decision, and my guess is that the Big Ten probably could make it, so no one has to make a decision. You know, at least publicly, I, I think the math might make the decision for them. You know, I'm looking at the standings right now. So Big Ten has five partner bowls still playing, plus automatic bids of the playoff for the near six. Right. You know, Northwestern, Iowa are ahead of Rutgers, obviously. Ohio State and Indiana ahead of Rutgers. I would say the Minnesota-Wisconsin winner is probably ahead of Rutgers. Maybe the loser, too, because Minnesota is now 3-3. Three and three. Honestly, Rutgers lost to Penn State, lost to Michigan. 
or brand names, and especially in Michigan's case, you haven't played as many games, you might want to get more games. Even if Indiana goes to the Fiesta Bowl, which is now seeming, seeing looks like it's more likely than it was a couple weeks ago, that's only seven spots. Unless something else opens up, I just don't know if Rutgers, Rutgers might be the eighth or ninth team still in in line to go to a bowl from the Big Ten. Right. Well, that would be interesting. I, I, I do have to think that some of those teams are going to say no thanks. I mean, just that is Penn State after this season going to want to go to a bowl game? I, your point about Michigan not playing a lot of games is true. I guess it depends where, the location. Well, I would say but for these Penn State, rewards. Penn State's won three straight now. They're going to lump up Illinois, which has an interim coach because Lovey got fired, yeah. they might say, hey, you know, if James Franklin finishes five and five and he's won five straight, everyone's kind of basically got to shut up about him going into his offseason. Oh, I think that's a great point. All right, let's dive into true or false, fellas. Uh, you know how it works. I'm going to give you a topic. Tell me if you think it's true or false. We'll discuss these later. True or false, Nebraska minus five in this game on Friday. Feels about right. James Cratch, true or false? Is that line accurate? False. Okay. Sarge? False. True or false? Rutgers should turn down a bowl invitation. Cratch? True. Sarge? False. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun discussion. All right. True or false? 03 is an All-American after <laughs> this season. Cratch? True or false? Uh, true. Sarge, you think he's at that level? True. All right. Two trues. True or false? Bo Melton is a Big Ten, all Big Ten first teamer. That'll be announced tomorrow. Do you think he belongs there? Cratch? False. False. True or false, the Maryland game settles it. Valentino Ambrosio is the team's kicker going forward. Cratch, true or false? True. Even next season. All right, Sarge? True. Okay. And finally, true or false, the Giants should hire Sean Gleason as offensive coordinator. James Cratch, true or false? I'll say false, but I will say Sean Gleason does have an NFL carve-out written into his contract. So I think the Rutgers fans who are concerned about losing him probably should wow. worry about that more than losing him to another college program. Sarge, true or I'm false? Gonna, I'm going to say false. I'm going to add that, Polity, you are a bad guy. I'm a bad trying guy. Trying to ra- rattle up yeah. the, 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 the Rutgers fan base uh-huh. like that. 11 offensive coordinators in 11 years. They finally have an offensive yep. coordinator to hang their hat on and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be our guy for the future, and we're going to float that rumor. In, You're a bad can, guy. can confirm. Bad person. Um, but I, it may, look, I have to watch the Giants on Sundays. You guys might do something else, like change the channel. <laughs> I will say that Jason Garrett's not making it to 2021. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to – and we also know this. If Dave Gettleman makes it, Dave Gettleman's been in that stadium twice, at least twice, right, watching Rutgers. I don't know. You I'm know, just, I, so I will say this. Like, I, I don't – I did not see Dave Gettleman – at the at the games so i don't know if dave gettleman's got some vantage point he goes to or not but i i did not bump into dave gettleman at the game but his name was on the list okay and as we all know ryan dunleavy tweeted out that he'd be there well maybe he just maybe you would have seen you would have noticed dave gettleman perhaps yeah i, I would have i would have surprised yes. that would have been yeah okay well uh, maybe that's maybe that's different um so you guys so you disagree sorry do you think they should accept the bowl bid given that it's really not a bowl trip I mean, it's just another game there's no why would you take that? I think it helps the program going forward. I mean, it, all, all of it is, is predicated on whether or not, it, you know, if, if they're, you know, if they're a shell of themselves and they're, you know, banged up physically. But, you know, I, I think it would be good for the program. And, Cratch, you, you don't think the, the value outweighs what's going on with this team? The fact that it's just, I mean, just being no. destroyed here? Look, I think, one, you're playing your bowl game on Friday at 4 p.m. at SHI Stadium, Piscataway. 
Right. I mean, if you win that game, like, forget it, like, four Big Ten wins, most of school history, and as I wrote it, it's Nebraska. That's a scrapbook moment. You just beat Nebraska. It's It goes up there with beating Penn State or beating Michigan. But I just – look, Greg, as Greg said on the conference call today, because the Big Ten made him play on Friday, they're going to have kids taking final exams the day yeah. of the game, potentially. Kids taking final exams the day after the game. They've played nine games in nine weeks. There's a pandemic. They haven't seen their families in months. It's almost Christmas. Like, enough is enough. And especially you. to go to a bowl game where, you, you know, you might get Texas in the guaranteed rate bowl, and they might beat you by 40 points. And then the whole season, nah. this wonderful ride nah. ends on a sour note. Know. If you beat Nebraska, go home and hug your families, and we'll see you next year. Sarge? Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, you're looking at it as, you know, a presumable loss. Um, I'm looking at it as, you know, if they won the game five and five, you're going from a uh, really, really, you know, satisfying year to a, you know, a historic year for, for you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the most spectacular seasons they've had, they've had, you know, considering the expectations. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there are a lot of things that you said that, that I agree with, especially uh, going back home, but almost goes back to, you know, why, why did we play the season in the first place? So we're here now, you know, there's a week, a week to go and, you know, I think it would really be good for the program to actually have that, you know, that badge of honor to go into the offseason with. I will say this. I'm kind of leaning toward Cratch's point of view on this because I really did feel like if you like that, if you were making the film of the, the 2020 Rutgers season, you could have really just said and seen at when Shiano's walking off the, the field after Maryland, tears in his face. They won a third Big Ten game. I mean, really, that's what that 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 sends this into this offseason. Uh, the entire year is a positive people think the trajectory is going in the right direction could have just ended right there before playing again you know I can certainly see that having another having another game I'm not sure really as much all right let's do a quick signing day uh segment you anybody listening to this podcast knows that we are not the recruiting expert the recruiting expert Padre Kant is uh this is his busy week busiest week of the year he is uh, out churning out information as we speak for Wednesday which is unprecedented to have a signing day on Wednesday and a game on Friday it's got to be incredibly difficult for the coaching staff and to manage that uh from what I from what I've seen 21 recruits currently ranked ninth in the Big Ten 38th overall, not bad mm-hmm. uh, for perspective. Uh, they're one ahead of Boston College and ahead of teams like Oklahoma State, Auburn, Virginia Tech. If you like your rankings, it's not bad. Cratch, I mean, what do you think? Uh, will there be any surprises on uh, on Wednesday? And do you, this pretty much what you, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen is what we all expect. Yeah, it does not seem like there's going to be many surprises. They got 21 commits. It sounds like all 21 of them should sign. Mm-hmm. I would think a lot of them are going to enroll early. Uh, I think partly because that's the way things are trending, but also because with so much that's going on in the world, uh, you probably can get to campus in January and do a lot more than you could, you know, if you want to try to stick through your basketball season in high school or, or your track season, you know, it's, it's currently ranked 38, 247 composite. Uh, I think that, most people figured like a t- uh, finish nationally of like, you know, 30 to 45 was about where uh, this class would be. You figure there's a couple more spots left. You know, I know it sounds like I, Audrey, uh, the St. Joe's Montville guys are still out there. Maybe they have a chance to flip them, but they're not going to sign, you know, Taiwan Malone. So I think that what you're going to basically see is they're going to sign maybe the whole class uh, on Wednesday 
and then you're going to go into the second wave. If you can pick off one of those home state stars, awesome. If not, then you're going to focus on the transfer portal because with the extra year of eligibility and the fact the NCAA is probably going to give everyone a, a one-time transfer waiver going forward, it's going to be like free agency this offseason. And we look at this Rutgers team, they've still got a lot of holes to fix. Yes, they do. And, that's, and I understand that's been the most – we're going to go to Rutgers Insider questions. It's been the most asked question we've gotten has been how are they going to decide which, which players are going to come back. I mean, we can't answer. I don't think, I don't think Greg Shiano really can answer at this point. You know, there are just so many questions about which guys will want to come back. Which, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really intriguing offseason. And I think in a lot of ways, the transfer portal is going to be every bit, if not more important, uh, for the building of this program in the short term, certainly. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of which, let's dive into the Rutgers Insider questions. Uh, NJ.com backslash insider. Appreciate everyone. I had a great time on Saturday night after the game. It just seemed like there were so many people in, on there. Uh, chatting away so you know spending about an hour just uh, answering texts and interacting it's uh, it's really fun to be able to do that so I appreciate that uh, and let's dive in so we have one specific rule question from Diane Karach um, you know what is the Big Ten's policy on the dirty plays uh, can they have, have they any uh, been resulted in discipline measures before? Could they have taken action? They could have, definitely. I think it's happened a couple times. Uh, one time that comes to immediate mind was when there was that like that Michigan Michigan State like on-field brawl before their game a couple of years ago. So I know, you, I, I believe the way it was done there was there was like a press release sent out where basically said Jim Delaney was publicly reprimanding and suspending the players who were involved. I, I think they also fined them too. There might be some fine that gets paid to a charity or something. So, yeah, they definitely have the power to do that. They have disciplinary committees and everything. I just think at this point they haven't done it yet, which kind of indicates that they're probably not going to do something. But those mechanisms definitely are there. All right, sorry. Here's a good one for you. Assuming we are vaccinated by next season, oh gosh, let's let's oh. first let's just hope that's yeah. Let's just hope, yeah. make that assumption. Uh, what's your guess on how many season tickets are sold, Sarge? Um, so they were on track. They were um, uh, ahead of their pace from a year ago. Uh, they were about 20,000. Um, keep in mind, I think they were down to about 16,000, um, you know, um, right before the uh, 2019 football season. So they were already ahead of that pace. And that was when um, basically they had to stop selling them in like June when everyone realized there were not going to be fans, in, you know, in, you know, in the stands. So right. they, you know, they're uh, talking to people in, inside. I, I think they were pretty confident that they would have gotten up to 23, 24,000. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think based on the results of this year, there's going to be a lot of momentum going into this. I mean, you know, I think, uh, they're going to start selling them right away. Um, I think, you know, I don't think it's, you know, you know out, out of the realm of possibility to get over 25,000, you know, going, going into next season. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, momentum toward that. Um, you know, I think, I think that the high end, I think, you know, the ultimate goal is to be over 30,000. I mean, I think that's, you know, you know where, 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 where sees the program, but that might take another year or two. What was the peak? The peak was 32,000? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, 32, 33,000, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a yeah. wait list at one point, which is you know, why, why they said they needed to uh, you know, get the uh, stadium expansion done. Uh, but, yeah, I think there were about uh, uh, 33. Um, when they entered the Big Ten, I think they were uh, down to about 29, 28,000. 
Right. right. Well, that would certainly, hey, just the, the fact about getting, uh, getting the, the quarantines over would be vastly more important than anything else at this point. All right, here's one, uh, Cratch. Just wondering why Tyshawn Fogg didn't see the field on Saturday. Injury or coach's decision? What was up with him? And do you have any idea, like if you had to guess which guys who were, who were hurt will miss this game, can you, can you give me an idea? So uh, Fogg was banged up against Penn State. So I believe it's got a continuation of the injury. Tried to go against Penn State, couldn't. You know, uh, definitely I don't think it was a coach's decision because I think Rashawn Battle has played well in spurts. But obviously Tyshawn Fogg is a preferable option to have on the field there. I mean, look, I, I agree with you guys. I have a hard time imagining Vegel's going to play. But beyond that, I think, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to kind of judge when I'm not at practice. It's so early in the week and you're watching on TV, uh, you know, Greg was asked, like, do you expect a lot of guys to be out? And he said, you know, he hopes not. So I, that at least led me to believe that he thinks it's possible that some of these guys can play. It felt like there would have been a lot more resignation in his answer if he knew that guys were already ruled out. Yeah, and I, I'll say that, we again, we don't watch practice, but I think Greg Schiano is smart enough now at this stage of his career. He's not, you know, this is not going to be a normal practice week. It's already, they're already down a day as far as preparation goes. He talked last week and it was an interesting uh, question where, where I asked him about, um, you know, the, the younger quarterbacks on the team. Um, you know, he talked about like just uh, dedicating parts of practice to, to developmental periods where, where they're having the underclassmen, the guys who we don't see, you know, practice squad guys, uh, uh, you know, getting a lot of reps. And, you know, in those situations, generally, you know, the, you know, 03, Bo Melton, you know, those guys are getting a senior treatment. So I, you know, you have to imagine, you know, if, if these guys are practicing, it's, it's going to be very, very light. And we should have mentioned this earlier in the, in the show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, he, Greg Shannon was not happy about this game being played on a Friday. It's right in the middle of exam week. They asked for a Saturday game. Uh, the Big Ten said no. So, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're juggling, juggling some significant scheduling problems too, Crash, right? Just from the academic side, standpoint. No, definitely. I mean, I think you guys remember it. Obviously, you guys went to college a little bit longer ago than I did, but you would yeah, show up. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, nice. you know, yeah. We didn't need there. a film review to, to point that one out, Crash. Exactly. Yeah, appreciate that. So, you know, like, I really, that you know, when I was What's in school, you know, many moons ago in 2010, we would like, I would pick my schedule for the next semester based on when the final was so I could get the heck out of Dodge, you know, and come home for Christmas or the summer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you would know, hey, this 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday English class is going to have a final at Tuesday, December 5th at 5 p.m. in this building on the other side of campus. So I would imagine there's a lot of things you got to kind of disentangle to, to make sure that we got Michigan, you know, excuse me, we have Nebraska and Rutgers, you know, but hey, those hours on BTN are not going to fill themselves, boys. And sorry, I don't know about you, but when I was picking my schedule for class, I would take the earlier classes because that was a better chance of me finding a place where I could tie my horse to a post <laughs> outside, the, outside the class building, you know? Because, you know I, I'm sure you, you ran into the same problems too when, when, you were, when you were going to college, I guess. I'm sorry, Poe. I, I I'm having trouble hearing you. I had to put my hearing yeah, aids oh, back in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I understand. Can, you, can you repeat that question? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, we'll just move on. It's probably for the best. <laughs> my bike got stolen at college, so you can laugh at me for that. That's good. Okay. It's just feeling They left old. the bike chain, though. That, that was nice of the thief. Feel a little old. All right, this is actually going. So I had someone specifically. I guess people are liking the fact that every episode we give a good, we give a good Chris Ash story. So 
the question is, is Shiano that good or was Ash that bad? But the other part of it was, could you please tell some more Chris Ash stories? I'm going to leave it to you fellas. Was, I mean, I think from a head coaching standpoint, we can recognize that Greg Shiano is more of a, you know, big picture leader, leader dude than, than, you know, we've seen that certainly what, what the impact of that is on a program. Uh, who wants to address that one? I think Chris Ash is hard to say because like, this is a guy who prepared so hard for this job. Uh, like he talked about it. We wrote about how he had these binders set up, like, you know, that he had been pre- preparing for so long to, to be a head coach. And, and, you know, so I don't know what happened. I don't know if he ever looked at his binders. I think that might be one, one issue. I think it really, I mean, you know, it, and this isn't, you know, a, you know, a funny anecdote or anything, but I just think it just wasn't his personality to really lead a team. Like, I, you know, I remember it goes back to our first Big Ten media day where, where, where you know, Graciana was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State and Chris Ash was, was you know, was, was the head coach. We were asking a, a guy from Ohio State, you know, the differences between the two. And, and as he said, he said, Greg Schiano is the type of guy who will, you know, bring you to his office and, you know, he'll, he'll learn all about like, you know, your family. He'll know, you know, uh, you know, everything about, you know, your dad, your mom, like everything. You'll get, get to know your personal life. Chris Ash, all about football. So I think all that has an effect because right now what we're seeing is, you know, these guys, you know, they're not all that much more talented than they were a year ago. Greg Schiano is getting the most out of these guys. And I think that's, you know, stems from leadership. I think that stems from, you know, just motivating and being able to, you know, get the most out of these guys. Crash, you want to take a smack at that pinata or you want to move on? Uh, I'll throw a little, a little story in here. Um, I'm running out of them, but so I think it was the summer of 2018 uh, when they had the, like the, the, the back, before COVID, we had like the booster dinner right before the start of the season at the 50-yard line dinner, whatever they called it. Um, so it's the night that Greg and Hannah Brown, you know, announced they were giving the $4 million. I do. I know where he's going with this. Oh, boy. Yeah. This the $4 million to uh, re- redo the locker room. And if you look at the photos, I'm sure they're still at ScarletKnights.com. Everyone's in like, you know, business casual, you know, and, and Ash is in like his long sleeve shirt and shorts. Yeah, and it's like you gotta have a blazer and some some chinos. His and, office and is like literally like yeah, you know, five hundred like, yards up, up up the tunnel. You hop so up like the treadmill and came dollars down to get four million dollars. You're getting four million dollars from like the wolf of the of the booster clan here, you know. And then the best part was like someone told me he was like, oh, no, sorry, this guy back from practice. It was like one like practice had ended like three hours ago too. It's like I'm pretty sure Neiman and, and AJ Blazek are standing right next to you, and they're dressed appropriately. <laughs> So it's just like yeah. little that, things. It really the little, was a lot of like little things. Little, like, exactly. Like those little things. And I think Greg is the master of the little things. Like I'll say on the podcast, I texted out to our subscribers, you know, Greg shout out Joe Lusardi, the, the walk on safety from summit high for playing, you know, well and forcing the action against Maryland. He's a kid who was committed to UMass. UMass kind of, you know, screwed around. Scholarship wasn't there anymore. You know, Greg and his staff find out. They watch a kid's film. They like what they see. They offer the kid a preferred walk-on spot. Now he's here and he's contributing on special teams and defense and two Big Ten wins. 
that's the type of thing, the detail that Greg Schiano has mastered that Ash just didn't get, get those kids, all the right things, you know, I mean, look, look at the little videos Greg had, you know, congratulating the high school football players on getting through their football season with COVID or sending the masks out to all the high school staffs in the state or giving suggestions about how to do things. Those are just things that I just, those little details, just, they were not a strength of the Ash regime. They worked hard. They worked very hard, but I don't know if they worked as smart as the Shiano regime does. Cratch, by the way, Blitty, we would know Joe Lasardi, you know the backstory of Joe Lasardi. I, I thought right. Greg Shiano, when he talked about Joe Lasardi the other day, was talking about the bracket colleges. Yeah, you're right. I had no idea. Sorry. Joe Lasardi's going to. I had no idea who Joe Lasardi was. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Crash. The Crash knows the whole kid's backstory. Yeah. It's incredible. All right, let's do some predictions here. Rutgers, Nebraska, some very astute people, listeners to the podcast might have noticed that not only did I correctly predict that the Scarlet Knights would beat Maryland, that apparently I correctly predicted the score. Did so, you know Did you know that, uh, you know, uh, their, their starting quarterback and their best linebacker was not going to play? They were going to be scratched? You know, I like, did. I knew all. Like I, a I half hour, 45 so. minutes because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, you knew how that? that? Yeah, how about that? Little, uh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a genius like that. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, so you get lucky. I got lucky, but I'll take it. I certainly will take it. Scratch. <laughs> Nebraska, the Cornhuskers coming in here, lost to a depleted Minnesota team. Who are you picking? I am going to take Rutgers. I, I'll take Rutgers wow. to win. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring affair. Um, <clears throat> I'll take Rutgers to win 24-20. to 20. Look, I, I just think that Nebraska is a dumpster fire. First off, yeah. it's amazing we've gotten this far into this podcast and we have not made any Nebraska jokes. It is, it is mean, kind of sad. They wanted we this we so badly, and now they're two and five, and they're coming to New Jersey on a Flip Friday. Friday afternoon, it's great. Friday afternoon. I mean, uh, just, they got two quarterbacks. They don't know which one to use. You know, Scott Frost has got a worse record than Mike Riley. You know, it's like th this is a program that fired two coaches with 700 winning percentages, and look where they yeah. are now. But at Rutgers, December 18th, 4 p.m. Friday, as Dog and Mike would say, tickets available if there wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Ten just said, oh, you guys wanted to play, huh? Took us to court there. You go. Here you go. You're going to go to the Vince Lombardi rest stop on your way to Rutgers. Sorry, who you got? Yeah, meanwhile, there's going to be a blizzard on, you know, All on, right. on yeah, Wednesday we, into Thursday. Uh, great, travel. great point and, by and, Fooch. Are they going to be able to get here? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's going to be like 15 uh, degrees with the wind chill. I mean, it's going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. Um I think Rutgers is going to win. Uh, you know, another you know, another close game and and low scoring. I think I agree with that, especially with the weather conditions. You know, I'm going to go. You know, seventeen ten. You know, I, wow. I, I I think it's going to be that type of low scoring, uh, ugly. Uh, but I think Rutgers, you know, just they 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 have that magic now, and I think uh, yeah, I think they're going to win. You know, I, I'm just I'm going to go the other direction from you guys again, and it I just felt like you know the the biggest cliche in sports is they left it all on the field, and I get that, but that Maryland game was a left it all on the field kind of thing, and I I mean. It's just hard to imagine gearing back up to that level of, you know, of to play anybody. I mean, I know, again, Nebraska is not good. They're having a terrible year. But, you know, I just, I just have a hard time seeing them uh, being able to turn it around in six days. I'm going to take Nebraska 28-20. Cratch, final thought? I was going to say, this literally is like the, the biggest 
NJSIA consolation game in the history of mankind. Like it, 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 I mean, it is. It's like when I get down there in Robinsville, like, okay, we're going to have Hasbro Kites play Yuna. Like, yeah, right. you know? And they're only going to have five. We're going to have one fewer referees. Than and we're going to put it in Tom's River. We're gonna... yeah, exactly. Like, well, so, so, so that's funny story. Breaking news. We're taping the podcast. Washington which was in the Pac-12 title game, has covid it out. Oregon is now in. Really? Oh, yes. my gosh. So, but yeah. like, what they were – what the, what the Pac-12 was going to do was and, – and thankfully, like, I guess Washington, for USC sake, said, hey, like, we can't do this. They were going to have Oregon and Colorado play at USC this weekend – with the idea that if what if like if Washington or USC couldn't play, they would just get already be in town and plugged in. Like how screwed up is that? Amazing. That's the the, the gymnastics there that going on behind the scenes to get this season done is just incredible. All right, we don't have a lot of time. We and we didn't. We purposely did not talk a lot of hoops here because there's a game tonight, and you guys are gonna be hearing this tomorrow. So we will not know the result of the Rutgers Maryland game tonight. It's an incredibly important game. I mean, the whole, I mean, everyone, every one of these games is now. Uh, Maryland coming off a loss to Clemson. Uh, Dick Vitale told me on Twitter today. <laughs> uh, Geo Baker might be back. Uh, going to be back. He's going to be dressed. We don't know how much he's going to play. There's a lot of intrigue here. It, overall, though, Cratch, this seems to start what is just in a brutal stretch of basketball, just a difficult eight-game stretch here. Yeah, I think it's going to be very hard. Obviously, on Sunday, two days after the Nebraska football game, Illinois is going to come to town where, you know, it's kind of sad. Like, if that game, if this was a normal world, that would be like 9,000 people inside the rack somehow, you know, towering inferno type atmosphere, which is kind of sad. But, uh, sad. no, it. I think, yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough stretch. And what I will say is that the, the Big Ten basketball schedule, I was kind of surprised. I don't know if I said this in an earlier podcast about how they didn't really seem to be very economical in the way they drew up the schedule. Everyone's flying all over the place. You know, there's yeah. no kind of rhyme or reason. So I'm intrigued to see how many of these games actually do get played. I totally yeah, – I hear you. You're absolutely right. You, I would be surprised if there aren't more cancel, big cancellations. A big stunner, by the way. Seton Hall schedule came out. There's really not any window for Rutgers to play Seton Hall. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I know Kevin Willard is going to be very upset by, by that, by, you know, the fact that they're not going to be able to play, you know, the, 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 you know, the Garden State you know, Classic. But He's putting that off the way I put off things with my kids. It's like, yeah, look, I'll take you to a great adventure. I mean, it's going to be a little later in the summer. You know, August rolls around. Well, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. No, it's on there. And then you know, before we it's talked, no Labor Day, like, we, we tried. We talked to the NCAA, yeah. and we figured if we're both in the Sweet 16, the, the gaps between, you know, the, the round of 32 <laughs> and Sweet 16, we're going to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, maybe one of the local high schools. <laughs> maybe we'll – I think there might be a court by the, uh, the Fairfield that's attached to the convention center. Great. You know, like – or potentially, you know, that they could play Oregon State in Yuma, Arizona. Like that, that's also on the table for Seton Hall. Uh, they tried for Medicine Hat, but that they couldn't get the the ice up on off the floor in time. So you know, you're, you're good. Kevin, you're good Kevin Willard. Your Kevin Willard sounds an awful awful lot like Mike Francesa, by the way. My my everything it's sounds good. like it's Mike true. Francesa. Okay? Yeah, that is a great point, Sarge. Your Trump, your Francesa, your every your Politi, your Sarge, it all is Francesa, right? It's all Francesa. I have to pay homage yeah. to the great man when I can. 
All right, and on that note, folks, perhaps we should log off for this week. Steve Plitty, James Cratch, Keith Sargent, thanks for listening. Rutgers, Nebraska, enjoy the game. Thanks. <laughs>